magandang buhay sa iyo lahat. You're tuned into Pinoy Australiano Episode 3. Maraming maraming salamat sa lahat for listening to my show. Uh, another shoutouts to Renebs. Welcome to the um, Anchor Game. <laughs> um, it's I think it's a good thing. I think we can achieve catharsis ate if we speak about uh, ourselves and we speak about our culture as it's a way if we don't have a platform or an outlet uh, to explore our feelings and identity diba? so um, this is a re-upload of episode 3 um, that was recorded about almost two weeks ago now And I've decided to title it Dugong Katutubok Correct me if I'm wrong, Rinevs um, Blood or native blood Indigenous blood yep. Because it seems to me That a majority of islanders right around the globe Austronesians in particular And in this case The Filipinos being the focus point, we can all sing, we can all dance. But we're definitely interested in singing and dancing and the arts. So uh, kick back, make yourself some uh, blend 45 <laughs> or some three in one, <laughs> or while you're having your uh, breakfast. Um, back and listen to episode 3 of Pinoy Italiano. Enjoy! Magandang buhay sa iyo lahat. You're tuned into Pinoy Italiano. Ako po si Lama Rock and I'm here to talk to you guys about anything concerned with being Filipino or Australian or for that matter just being Filipino. So I'm just looking online You know, I'm kind of a bit over uh, listening to my constant um, collection of music that I revisit. Um, I've somehow fallen into this uh, this trap of uh, you know listening to a, I guess you could say not so uplifting kind of music, but that's okay because maybe there needs to be a balance of like. The good stuff and and then the stuff, the good bad stuff. If you know what I'm trying to say. But uh, I decided to take a look on Google, um, indie Filipino music. And I'm sure, depending on your uh, what you type in the search bar, combine different combinations of words, you'll be able to dig and enlighten yourself as to who some of these underrated Filipino indie artists are. Whether or not they're worth listening to. That last song was actually a band from the Philippines known as Beast Jesus uh, from the album In Various States of Disassembly. Ayosa, that's a pretty uh, hectic name. I'm just gonna read uh, the excerpt here in uh, this post on CNNPhilippines.com. Seven underrated Filipino indie artists worth listening to. August 9, 2016. So it's already a year old. 
but uh, it says here, Beast Jesus is a collaboration among friends who were based in Laguna, Davao, and Manila. Although all members now live in the city, true to their name, the music of Beast Jesus sounds as brutal as the bowels of a dystopian metropolis. <laughs> Dang. They have another side, however. Their shoegaze rock leanings allow them to express the more atmospheric and reverberating emotions hiding underneath the pain and anger. In this way, Beast Jesus are forgers of metal, subverting and reconstructing it to their own eclectic ways. Warm and gritty, serious and slightly sarcastic, the band is what metal sounds like and should sound like today. Get to know them by checking out their Facebook page where they regularly post memes to die for. <laughs> Such a serious, serious sounding band, but regularly post memes to die for, I assume. Um, I think I think you know the way that things are going right now. I think part of uh, reconnection to the motherland and a um, you know education, a re-educating or self-educating of um, your own culture can be assisted by tuning into that culture, obviously. And what better way than to listen to music? If the tune sounds good and the sonics of the lyrics, the vocals sound good to you, then the only thing that's holding you back from truly understanding the song is the language barrier. So even if you're not a Filipino but you like that song, you find the lyrics or you figure a way to, to decipher that for yourself. You find someone Filipino that, you know, someone who can speak fluent Filipino to tell you what it means. You've got Google these days. Uh, with that crazy technology where if you do um, a translation in English, it will, sorry, if you, if you require translation from English to another language, it'll say that out so you can actually listen to what it sounds like, like full sentences. Mind you, obviously, sometimes some English translations um, are, are incorrect when, when translated to another language, but, you know, like they even have... Um, I was being told last night that they even have one uh, that, for example, in the Philippines and Vietnam, there's, there's areas where they have their own kind of broken English. So if you were to translate something in English to Vietnamese, it's going to come out like a you know, broken, broken English style, which you know, could sound a little like racist um, if you're not careful. But anyway, I digress. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode. And that was Laro by Ototelic. It's pretty interesting um, when I went to the Philippines in th- at the end of 2015 and I went straight into, um, I guess you could say, the hood uh, to see how local... Filipino crews got down and um, you know this was before the uh, Duterte administration and so there was you know still a lot of the, the the old school Philippines there where there was no curfews you could still drink out at the street you know uh, I mean it's still the case now um, but they're cleaning up quite swiftly there was 
a massive dr- there's there's a massive drug problem you know like uh, homelessness and poverty and whatnot and rubbish but anyways um mind you it was like past midnight and we're in this uh, one street um in Baklaran which is a pretty rough neighborhood you don't really want to be walking there and exploring around cuz you know someone might would probably won't hesitate to like take you out if he or she thinks you've got money you know what i mean and also you know not to put down the area but you know people are people are desperate so they'll 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 uh, revert to uh, desperate measures and do some pretty extreme things um but so like uh the 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 guys that we were hanging out with the sas crew they um you know have this kind of community program it's not funded by anyone per se it's just what they do as 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 people they don't get paid to do this thing they they just uh have this this want um to just desire to help out the kids in the community so it was pretty crazy that these kids rock up out of nowhere out the front of um the place I was staying at and all of a sudden it was like it was just like order it was all very automatic the guys went inside got the lino out laid the dance floor out they got like the cilia out which is usually like a pretty badly created but stable uh long chair stool that um, everyone can sit on and that would occupy half the uh already narrow road so that cars didn't just speed through they'd have to like slowly go around and these kids would sh- would just get straight into it they already they just start breaking and then they start calling each other out they start dissing each other you know like teasing them and you know like like in any good sport you know they would just they were just going at it i was like damn these kids are like under 12 years old and they are hard as they're hard as fuck it's crazy it was just so get i was scared to battle these little kids you know um and so like for them that was what they called laro which is a general tagalog term might be shared in other parts of the Philippines as well in their language but laro means to play you know let's just let's let's play laro tayo play basketball play video games maglaro ba tayo ng legend of zelda mamaya you know are we going to play legend of zelda later on you know but in this case it was applied to breaking and and that tripped me up because you know there's this massive concern at least at one stage that when you break dance or when you're breaking b-boying you know you you got a cipher but this weird concept of cipher and dancing in a circle ended up becoming this sort of like nerdy geeky super serious thing which it can be of course but for these kids it was just playing and they were going hard you know like cheeky street kids would probably do with any other game it was crazy and you know i think i think that's something um that we we need to think about sort of innocence that a child has when undertaking a particular activity so for me for example as i'm doing this anchor uh for you guys about big filipino australian it's me doing the act of lalo naglalaro lang ako i'm playing 
this podcast game. You know, something to think about. I'll catch you in the next episode here on Pino Italiano. And that was Jensen and the Flips with "Is This Love?" <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Hey, that um, straight up, the guy uses a um, a derogatory term for Filipinos in America, a flip, or so I've been told. It's the etymology of the term flip for Filipino. Uh, that you know, like there's something about rugged, rugged peoples that can just be like, all right, yeah, you know, you can use that as a diss term towards me, but I'm gonna flip that and let that empower me. You know, is is that you know, is that a subconscious thing that uh, certain rugged cultures can do? Obviously, I mean. With with the with the Filipino Americans, um, you know, with the Filipino Americans, they were surrounded and involved in hip hop history. All the mobile DJs in the Bay Area, playing around San Fran, um, uh, Oakland. Uh, I'm not really familiar with my geography there, but these guys were all party DJs and. People would travel all around that the Bay Area to fo- follow their favorite DJ crews. It's crazy that now there's literature about that, and it's been um, heavily documented because they were parties. How crazy is that? And then that eventually gave rise to, um, you know, the, some of the most, if not the most, turn- famous turntablists today, like DJ Cubert, um, Scratch Pickles, um, you know, the Beat Junkies. And and it's really interesting because you know I I grew up in a similar um, era in the early 90s and I remember going to a lot of house parties and if it wasn't at a house it would be at a community hall and then within the community hall there'd always be a DJ who would who would spin records so he would bring his like record crates and they would play all kinds of music from the old to the new. And I just remember that being part of growing up, and I'm really interested. I mean, I know that um, two of these uh, guys that I, you know, that were DJing at, a par- at parties when I was a little kid are now very famous DJs, turntablists, musicians, producers here in, here in Australia. But a massive shout outs to um, DJ Dexter and DJ Kuya, who are who are siblings, uh, I think, from. Um, originally from St Albans it's it's crazy you know like and that, and as a kid um you know trying to find his identity you know in my teenage years i looked to them as a source of inspiration they were my role models like these guys were entering DMC which is a famous uh, DJ competition and and these guys were living and working within hip hop You know, and I took the other route, which was to become a b-boy and, and dance. And I did that for most, well, for the past, yeah, almost 20 years. And and I'm interested to know, like, who our listeners, um, dude, our listeners, do you guys have a Filipino or Filipina muse? You know, someone that you look up to. 
and one of my muses right now, as I'm sort of transitioning into sort of a different area of my life, um, is a is a famous uh, Filipino YouTuber um, named Kong TV. You know, with like 500,000 subscribers, I think. You know, and a real raw, rugged, sort of street kid hilariousness approach to his his uh, YouTubing. It, this guy quit his job as a telemarketer to to just do YouTubing, like because he was getting paid, he was getting mad hits. I think that's amazing, and and it, and it really inspired me to be like, well, I should I should do the same thing. Why not? I, th I feel like I got something to say, and I've got enough life experiences to share that. You know, and 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 I think that's that's a good thing. I think that we should be looking for inspiration like that. Because I guess there's something bad that. You know, and this is a whole nother talk, but like, you know, if nature wants action, then nature must hate vacuums where people hold in this action that they can take. Because the world, the energy revolves here very quickly. Now that's something to think about. Magandang buhay sa lahat. Ito po si Lopez Lawang with another excerpt from the soul book episode 2 chapter 1 the power sources anitos diwatas and the one true god in the island of mindanao between la canela and the river rio grande a great promontory projects from a rugged and steep coast always at these points there is a heavy sea making it difficult and dangerous to double them. When passing by this headland, the natives, as it was, so steep, offered their arrows, discharging them with such force that they penetrated the rock itself. This they did as a sacrifice, that a safe passa passage might be accorded them. I saw with my own eyes that although the Spaniards, in hatred of so accursed a superstition, had set a great many of these arrows on fire and burned them. Those still remaining and those recently planted in the rock numbered in less than a year, more than 4,000 arrows. Pedro Chirino, S.J. Manila, 1604 Early Filipinos, like many still today, believe that not only man but all entities, animate or inanimate, have a life force or soul. These spirits were called Anitos. Some of these entities were pro, propiti, propitiate, propitiated, propitiated hmm, for they were powerful human-like presences that could either harm or help man. There were two types of Anitos, the nature spirits and the spirits of dead ancestors. The major Anitos dwelled in the layers of the sky. The lesser Anitos, assisting them, lived with humans on earth or in the underworld. These spirit beings affected or controlled events in the material world by communicating with humans and receiving pleasure or displeasure from human actions. Del Beque, 1928. Filipinos reverence the moon, the stars, the rainbow, the rivers, the seas, the rocks, the trees, and animals. After all, seemingly possessed by spirits, trees did moan when the wind passed through. 
Seas and rivers appeared to change moods from quiet to sadness to wrath, much like human beings. Some of these beings were regarded as generally beneficial. Thus, the heavenly bodies gain warmth and coolness needed for life. Not so the other creatures. Lightning could burn a tree. Crocodiles and crows could eat humans, whether living or dead. Beneficial or not, these vague but powerful presences had to be pro propitiated, propitiated with offerings. Also reverenced were the spirits of ancestors like recently deceased parents. They gave help in childbirth, house building and healing, but they could also cause their descendants illness when displeased. Particularly invoked was the chief who after death was believed to grow stronger and better able to defend his people. The line dividing the two types of Anito, ancestral and non-ancestral, was a thin one. As the identity of ancestors blurred, the farther away in time they receded, they merged with the surrounding environment as spirits of the gardens, fields, and trees. Who they were had since been forgotten, but their memory had to be acknowledged either by offering gifts or by avoiding the place to leave them in peace. When ignored, they brought harm. The headland reverenced by 17th century Mindanao residents may have been a place where many had met an accident while navigating the waters. Hence, offerings were made to both the nameless victims and to the dreadful spirit that may have been the cause in the first place. And continuing with our readings from the Soul Book by Demetrio, Fernando, and Zialcita, with artwork by Roberto B. Peleo. Chapter 1 The Power Sources The Difference Anitos are found among all Filipino groups from Mindanao to Batanes. In the Visayas and Mindanao, they are called Diwatas. There is an interesting reason for this. Those places were closer geographically to the Hindu-Buddhists empires of Indonesia. True, the Philippines was not incorporated into those empires, but trade took place with those empires and refugees seeking haven from internal conflicts may have come to what were then frontier islands. Casino, 1982 in intermediate places between Luzon and the Visayas, such as Camarines of the Bicol region, these beings were interchangeably called Anito and Diwata. The word Diwata or Dewata, Devata, Divata or Tiwata, as some groups call them, is of Sanskrit origin and means divinity. The Javanese have spirits called Dewata or Juwata. The Jaks of Borneo refer to their spirits as Jewata or Jebata, and the people of the Celebes speak of their titular angels as Rewata or Dewata. What they look like. Among the Manubu, the Diwatas or Anitos have bodies with a covering like fingernails, smooth and shiny with skin only on their joints. Bagobo diwatas exist blissfully without ever experiencing hunger. 
for their stomachs have been snipped off and their favorite food, the betel nut, supplies energy. They were they wear fine and shining clothes, live in houses on stilts, ride on horses, and go sailing in boats, just like the living Bagobos. Diwatas are believed by the Manobos of eastern Mindanao to have once led a human existence in Manoboland, but they succeeded in building a stone structure in the sky and thus were transformed into deities of the first order. Manobo Diwata are thought to have brass intestines and capable of drawing up a house into their ethereal abode with a chain. Garban, 1931. These fabulous beings are generally referred to as spirits, but Filipino scholars prepare, prefer to merely call them invisibles. Spirit, in the Western Christian sense, refers to a being without a body whereas Filipino Anitos and Diwatas are always thought of as possessing a body-like form, whether of humans or animals. Maganon, 1972 However, since using the term invisibles seems a bit odd, we shall continue using the term spirits, though in a non-Western sense. Spirits are male or female. Like you and me, they walk, talk, wear clothes, have haircuts, and can even be wetted if a careless boy pisses just anywhere. Environmental deities, according to the Tagbanuas of the thickly forested island of Palawan, wear bark cloth from trees, while Skyworld deities, both male and female, wear wraparound skirts. In addition, women wear jackets, men turbans. The deities of the Skyworld smell very sweet and if Anyone but a babail, babailan smells that he or she will fall ill. Smells them that he or she will fall ill by Fox 1982. Diwatas are fair as the moon, Garvan 1931, and browless, Unabia 1986. They live in houses, own property, have spouses, work, play, and can feel lonely. Since they need material things, they are not over and above the material world. They just happen to be unseen, though not always. Sometimes they become visible in the form of unusual beings, a stranger who is either extremely dark or extremely light and therefore unfamiliar to locals might be regarded as a spirit. So would an odd-looking animal. The Latin word for spirit is anima. Hence, this type of religion has been called animism, for it finds spirits in even non-human beings. However, since the term has recently been criticized for trying to encompass a variety of religious traditions all over the world, we shall not use it. Instead, we shall speak of early Philippine religion or indigenous tradition. Thousands even if they cannot stand on the head of a pin. How many Anitos and Diwatas are there? Their number is legion, considering that every dead relative perceived as having any kind of distinction of every single individual in a community can become a deity. Roy F. Barton, 1946 calculates at 1,500 the number of deities the Ipugaos alone invoke. 
and believes that there are many more being created. In turn, each ethnic group has its own pantheon. Originally, Filipinos, like other peoples elsewhere, subsisted entirely on gathering tubers, nuts, seeds, and vegetables for their food. On occasion, they hunted. The spirits they revered then were only those relevant to their needs. The spirits of the wild plants, of the hunting dog, of the spear, of the boar, or of the mountain where the chase took place. If the band had enemies, then an additional spirit was invoked as protector. With the coming of agriculture and the more settled way of life, new skills emerged. Farming, pottery, weaving, and carpentry were some of the many new activities that called for guidance and protection. In each of these activities, a plural plurality of spirits was needed. For instance, because of farming, people supposed that the earth, the rain, the sun, the seeds, the farm tools, and even the act of planting and harvesting had spirits that could be prayed to. Even a house could have many spirits, one or several for the stairs, the door, the posts, and the hearth. As property became increasingly important, ancestors became spirits that could be prayed to for guidance. Among Swedeners or Kaingin farmers in the Cordilleria, where land was, strictly speaking, not owned, ancestral spirits were dreadful presences responsible for illness and death. However, among wet rice cultivators, where land could be bought, inherited or sold, it became important to prove one's relatedness to the original owners. Ancestral spirits became beneficent beings who protected and helped their descendants. The rate, 1964. A human being, therefore, could never be alone in his house, even if the rest of the family was outdoors. Contact with other groups sometimes brought in new spirits if these were proven to be powerful. Not all these spirits had a proper name. People merely knew and acknowledged their presence. However, among the Ipugaos who had a developed priesthood, many spirits did have names and more individual delineation. Thus, the figure of 1,500 cited by Barton. Belief in an environment teeming with spirits survives in some form among the rural Tagalogs. In Nueva Ecija, children are called into the house after the ang angelus at dusk, lest they collide with the many spirits walking about, presumably to take in the air. Since the 14th century, a new and foreign religious traditions, new and foreign religious traditions have entered the islands with a different conception of the divine. Deba and Dios Monotheism is the belief that there is only one supreme deity. There may be other spirits but they are all direct creations of this deity. Whatever power they have comes from him. He cannot be challenged without risking punishment. The sky god of the various Philippine groups dwelt above the rest in the highest layer of the sky. Though the sky god may have been all-powerfully, all-powerful originally, his power seems to have become limited. 
of more concern to Filipinos were the minor Anitos and Diwatas, ancestral or otherwise, whom they could propitiate with frequent offerings. Such minor spirits acted without regard for what the Lord of the Upper Sky wanted. It is commonplace among social scientists to draw a connection between the way a society is organized and its image of divinity. They say that monotheism emerges only when a society has become organized and controlled by a single, paramount ruler. This happens in a state. Then it becomes easier for men to conceive of a single supreme being who, without question, dominates the rest. 16th century Luzon and the Visayas, however, were extremely decentralized. Each community, each barangay, no matter how small, was independent of the rest. Within, so limited was the power of the Datu, the leader, that disputants who disagreed with the Datu's decision could appeal their case to a Datu in another barangay or even to a non-Datu. Scott, 1982. In such a context, it was difficult to conceive of a lord of the upper sky as all-powerful. The trend towards monotheism was probably strongest in those areas where strong chiefs were emerging and permanently subduing other chiefs. As history would have it, however, two aggressive monotheistic religions intervened, Islam in the south followed by Christianity in the center and the north. The two religions pushed the notion that there was only one supreme being and all other beings were his creatures. This supreme being also had his court consisting of angels and saints who interceded for humans as well as enforced his will. In Muslim areas, the angel Gabriel probably took over the control of the winds from the wind god. Among Christian converts, Saint Isidore the Palmer, San Isidro Labrador, may have replaced Idianale, deity of the rice fields. But Hala, wifeless and powerful, but with no ambivalent qualities, lent his name to the new god, the Christian god. The other term for the new god was of course the Spanish Jos. But Diwata and Jos were, in fact, distant kin. The Latin Deus were from where Jos or Dios came and the Greek Theos were related to the Sanskrit Deva, meaning God, for they were all members of the Indo-European family of languages. Among Filipino Muslims, the Arabic Allah took over completely. Maraming salamat po sa iyo lahat for listening to excerpts of the Soul Book. Ako po, Si Anthony Luis Lopez Lawang, aka Lama Rock. Thank you very much for listening and see you on the next show. Have a great day. Peace. Hey guys, um, thank you so much for tuning into episode 3 of Pino Estraliano. Um, this is just a bit of a disclaimer before the end of the show. Uh, as part of uh, the re exploration of uh, my personal history and heritage in the Philippines. I've decided to um, read certain books like the uh, the Soul Book, uh, which is interestingly written by 
a uh, Filipino um, professor in the priesthood. Uh, so he's a Catholic priest, and uh, together with other Catholic writers, he's written a book about traditional pagan religion. And I think that's very interesting when sometimes people of a certain faith um, may be uh, quite close-minded to the idea of uh, sharing other religions and practices and understanding them. Um, so when I read, found out that, that they were the people who wrote uh, this book, I thought, well, you know, like that's the kind of open-mindedness we need uh, to continue moving forward from 2017 and beyond. So, maraming maraming for tuning into Pino Estraliano. Sana na lang, sana na lang, palpak. I was just gonna say, you know, I wish that you could all speak. That we could all speak Tagalog and communicate in that level. But, you know, this is my journey and this is only the beginning of the documentation process. So, you know, as I return to the Philippines and continue to be proactive in other areas of being Filipino in Australia or being a Filipino Australian, um, you will see you can be there every step of the way. And hopefully I can be too with your podcast. I'll be signing out. This is Lama Rock, a.k.a. Anthony Luis Lopez Lawang. Which one's my real name? I think you know which one it is. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Peace out.